Hey there and welcome to the Duncan Pentecostal Church podcast streaming from Vancouver Island here in Canada. And however you have found our podcast, we're so glad you're here. Before we jump into today's message, just a couple things I want to let you know. If you go to our website, www.duncanchurch.com, you're going to find a couple easy ways where you can connect with us. We have an online connect card you can fill out. Maybe let us know where you're listening from and check off the option to receive our what's happening email. We send this out once a week. It's a great way to stay connected with everything that's going on here at the church and even online. Apart from that, there is a give button. So if you're feeling led, you can do that right online through our website. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. We are so glad you're tuning in and we are believing that God's going to do something special in you through today's message. Enjoy. 2005. Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon was scheduled to meet with the United States of America President George W. Bush. And uh, they were scheduled for a meeting, but, but Sharon was late for the meeting. Bush was a little upset. And, uh, and so uh, Sharon actually ended up telling George W., Mr. President, I'm sorry, but I was talking to someone more important than you. Bush was a little, you know, kind of offended, a little taken back. And Sharon goes on to explain, I was, I was talking to Moses. Oh, okay, I mean, if you, you gotta understand this. To a Jew, nobody is more important than Moses. Moses is like the people of all people. And so, so Bush kind of thinking, well, okay, interesting. And so he says to him, can, can I talk to Moses? He asks Sharon, can I talk to Moses? Sharon pulls out his cell phone and begins punching in some numbers and quietly begins to whisper into his phone. And then, and then he he finally turns over to President Bush and he says this, Mr. President, I'm sorry, but Moses said he doesn't want to talk to you. The last time he talked to a Bush, it cost him 40 years wandering in the wilderness. (laughs) True story about wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, But for, you got what I'm trying to get across here is, is, you know, nobody was more important to a first century Hebrew, a Jew, than Moses. And even to this day, nobody is really more important. Not even the president of the United States of America is more important than Moses to a Hebrew. And, and, and so for these, as we've been studying the book of Hebrews, these first century Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, there were all kinds of pressures to turn from Jesus. We've already talked a little bit about this. And, and, and the thing is this, there's probably no greater pressure, though, than that of Moses or the law of Moses. The pressure of their culture was really to drop Jesus, to stick with the temple, to stick with, with temple worship, with the law. Of, of course, whom was at the forefront of the temple and the law? Moses. And so this intense pressure was coming based around Moses. And so the author of Hebrews, we've already seen how he's established for us that uh, Jesus is better, better than the prophets, better than the angels. We saw it in chapter one and chapter two. But this morning, we're gonna see in chapter three that Jesus is even better than Moses. And for us, we kind of go, you know, I mean, maybe one or two of you here this morning are actually Jewish, are actually Hebrew. But the rest of us were like, well, of course, it's a no-brainer. Jesus is better than Moses. But, but you've got to understand that, that for the first century Hebrew, Moses ha- was, was massive, massive, massive. We have bracelets. Some of you maybe are wearing one, the WWJD. And you have a WWJD. Remember WWJD, what would Jesus do? Right, why? Because Jesus is supreme in our minds. 
They would have essentially WWMD bracelets. Not what would a medical doctor do, but what would Moses do? That was essentially what the Talmud, if you know what the Talmud is, the Talmud is the interpretation or the application of the law of Moses. And how they determined the application of the law of Moses was all in regards to what would Moses do. That's how it broke down. That's how they determined and came up with the Talmud. And so for a bit of context, think of it this way. What Jesus is to the people of God today, Moses was to the people of God of old. That should put some of the context in your head about what these people are wrestling with. And so because of this intense pressure to to drop Jesus for Moses, to drop Jesus for temple worship, the author of Hebrews in chapter 3 is going to challenge us to do something. He's going to challenge us to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Verse 1 of chapter 3 says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, it's, it's the same Greek word for brothers and sisters in a family, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Now, when we say the word consider, it's kind of like, okay, sure, I'll think about it. But the Greek word for consider is very, very strong. It means to fix one's eyes and mind upon to give careful, serious, and prolonged thought to. Basically, it it basically means this. Put some serious thought into what you're going to consider. Really take this to heart. Investigate it. It's not just a casual, okay, I'll think about it. It's like really, really consider it. And so what the author of Hebrews is going to do in these first six verses of chapter three is he's going to have us consider how Jesus is better even than Moses. He's going to say, I want you to really think about this. And how he's going to do that is by giving us seven comparisons between Moses and Jesus. That's what he's going to do. And he's going to drive home this point, basically trying to get this across. Don't go from the greater, and now who's greater? Jesus. Only my wife got that one? Come on. Who's greater? Jesus. It's obvious to us. But to these first century Hebrews, it wasn't. So he's saying, don't go from the greater, Jesus, to the lesser, Moses. None of us would want to do Who wants to choose the lesser over the greater? Would anybody ever do that? You go to the store, you want to buy something, it's like, I want the best, right, for the best price. You go to a store and it's like, well, I can have the best for $9.99 or I can have the worst for $10.99. I'll take the worst, thanks. Right? We would never do that. And the same way, this is kind of what he's getting at. Don't go from the greater to the lesser. That's what he's going to drive home this morning. Why don't we, um, why don't we read the passage this morning together before we pray and look at it. Uh, if you need a Bible in the seat back of a chair somewhere in front of you or around you, you can grab one. If you want to find Hebrews, go to the back of the Bible. You're going to hit the book of Revelation and then just start going backwards. And you'll hit like Jude and first and second, third John, first, second Peter. And eventually you'll hit James and then the book of Hebrews. You need a Bible to follow along. So if you, um, if you don't have a Bible, either grab one from the chair in front of you, or you can use your phone, as I see some of you doing, as long as you're not texting. All right, chapter three, verses one to six. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant 
to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would just open our eyes. Lord, maybe we may not be tempted to go back to Moses in a sense, but Lord, there are definitely lesser things in this life that are pulling for our attention, that are trying to drag us away from you. And Jesus, I just pray this morning that you would be in the forefront, that you would be lifted up and exalted in every mind, eye, and heart today as we consider, as we take to heart and seriously think about who you are, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for your word. Teach us this morning, we pray. Amen. All right, we're gonna go through these comparisons pretty quick because you're probably going seven comparisons. Peter, how long is this gonna take? Don't worry, it's gonna be quick. Uh, The first comparison is this, the calling that they give. The calling they give, okay? They both gave a calling. Jesus' calling is better. Chapter three, verse one begins. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Now, what was the calling that Moses gave to God's people? It was, it was to leave Egypt, right? He said, come with me to a new land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. That's where he called them out. The first stop was the mountain, but they were gonna be going from there to the promised land. And so his calling was what we would call an earthly calling to the promised land. But what is the calling that Christ had? What's the calling that Christ calls us to? What's it say there? It's a heavenly calling. It's a heavenly calling. You know, I had the honor last week of officiating Rick Carpentier's uh, celebration of life. And uh, many of you maybe knew Rick and Debbie Carpentier. And, uh, and Rick, is my mic cutting out, Ryan? Is there some issues or we're okay? Not sure what's going on. Um, but Rick, uh, Rick, Rick believed in God. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and I say I had the honor and it was a celebration of life because whenever I get to do a celebration of life for a Christian brother or sister, I'll say this, it is difficult. For those of us that are left behind, it's never easy. But I, I am so confident that Rick right now is with Jesus, right? Because the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? And so Rick is 100% right now at the side of Christ in heaven, worshiping the Lord. And so it can truly be a celebration. You know, the Bible tells us we don't mourn as those who have no hope for people that pass away before us. And so because of that, because of this heavenly calling that Christ has given us, we can celebrate, in fact, when someone passes. And so Moses called the people of God to the land of Canaan, but Jesus calls us to heaven. I don't know which I would choose. Do you think you have a choice there? Much of it, it's not much of a tough decision. I think I would choose heaven over this place any day. Well, secondly, Jesus is a better apostle. Jesus is a better apostle. Now, do these comparisons, just to be clear here, it's not that Moses is bad. Sometimes we think that when we say better. No, it doesn't mean that he's bad. It's just that Jesus is better. Verse one continues, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, the word apostle is is taken from the Greek word apostolos. And so it's really doesn't, it's not really a translation or a definition. When you read apostolos, it's just what they would call a uh, transliteration. It's just kind of letter for letter, taking it and making it into the English for us. So when we hear the the word apostle, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But the word apostle, what it literally means is sent one or an ambassador with a special message. That's what the word apostle essentially means. Now, let me ask you this. Was was Moses sent by God with a special message? Absolutely he was. 
right? He was sent to go to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh what? Let my people go. He was an ambassador from God, sent from God, an apostle in many ways with a special message. Now, let me ask you this. Was Jesus sent by God with a special, special message? Absolutely he was. Of course he was. Over 10 times alone in John's gospel, Jesus says that he was sent from heaven by God. Sent by heaven by God to, similarly to Moses, to set the people free, but in, in a much greater way. In fact, to lead us to abundant life. Look at, look at what John 3, 16, 17 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not, what does it say? Send, right? An apostle, Jesus. I've never thought of that really until this passage. I was like, yeah, I've never thought of Jesus as an apostle. But he is, he was sent. Moses was an apostle, he was sent. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus, so Moses, I'll say it this way. Jesus was, or Moses was already on earth when he was sent by God, correct? Yeah, you can nod, yes, yes. Jesus, Jesus was sent by God, not on earth, but from heaven to the earth. Moses was sent by God to free the people of Israel. Jesus was sent by God to earth to free all people, to save the world. Do you see this? Do you see the comparison between apostles here, right? Who's a greater apostle? Jesus. Well, he's also a better priest. What did verse one say? Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Now, Moses, of course, he was not a high priest. His brother Aaron was the high priest. Yet Moses operated in a very priestly role to Israel. In fact, there was times where Aaron kind of flubbed it a little bit, and Moses would have to step in and, and intercede, and it'd be an intermediary between God and the people. And so you think about, as a priest, how Moses, even before Aaron was ever set up, Moses instituted the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. We went through the book of Exodus as a church recently. He instituted the Passover in Exodus 12. Well, think about this. Jesus, as our high priest, is our Passover lamb. He fulfilled the Passover, which is better. <laughs> you tell me. As a priest... Moses gave the law to the people, right, to walk in God's ways. Remember all the instructions, the law that Moses gave. This is the reason that I'm giving you these so that you can walk in the ways of God. Exodus chapter 20 to 24, all those laws upon laws upon laws that we went through. Well, Jesus, as our high priest, fulfilled those laws, and then he gave us our, his spirit to walk in God's ways. Moses, as a priest, remember when in Exodus chapter 24, when he confirms the covenant with the people, what did he do? The sacrifice, remember all the blood? Remember that, that chapter? I don't know if you were here with us for that one, but it was a real bloody Sunday. And it was just like, it was crazy. There's all this blood. He puts it in these buckets. And then he puts one bucket, he puts all over the mercy seat. And then what did he do with the other bucket? Do you remember what he did with the other bucket in Exodus 24? Yeah. Basically just went, here you go. Fire hose over all of you, covered you in blood. Literally, that's what he did. And the purpose being that it confirmed the covenant between the people and God. Well, think about Jesus now as our high priest. It wasn't just some animal that Jesus sacrificed. What was the sacrifice that Jesus made? Himself. He gave himself. He gave his own blood. And we now, the Bible tells us, are covered by the blood of Christ to become a new covenant between us and the Father. Think about Moses as a high priest. How uh, when, when Aaron, you know, I mentioned him flubbing up a little bit. Well, the golden calf incident in Exodus chapter 32 what happens? Moses comes down from the mountain and has to intercede for the people as a priest between God and the people. And, and he basically says to them at that whole big mess, he, he even says to God, listen, blot me out of the book. 
if that's what it's gonna take, but don't destroy this people. And he steps in in a priestly way, an incredible way. Well, think about how Jesus actually did give up his life in our place for our sin, for our, our idolatry. And now where is he? He's at the right hand of the Father, continually interceding on our behalf. Do you see that Jesus is a better priest compared to Moses? And fourth, we also see that Jesus is better as the builder of God's house. Verse one goes on. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. Did that cut out again? Something's going on here. Um, basically, to put it simply, what we just read there, basically it's saying this. Moses was, was faithful in God's house. He was. He was very faithful in God's house. But the, the author of Hebrews is trying to get this, out this point. But who built that house? God, Jesus. Jesus built the house. So Jesus, of course, is more worthy of honor than Moses in that sense. Even if you think about the tabernacle, think about how Moses was faithful in Exodus. We saw this all through the book of Exodus to carry out those instructions. Exodus 25, verse 9, God told Moses, he said, I want you to, to put this tabernacle together according to the pattern or the model that has been given you. That's what God told Moses. Put it together, the, the model and the pattern. And then remember, we had all those chapters upon chapters of instructions about the tabernacle. Do you remember that? Do you mean to read it? I can read it again for you if you need. Right? There was this a chapter upon chapter of instructions. This is what needs to, the ark needs to be like this, and then the, the table like this, and then the lamp stand like this, and all these details. The curtains need to be of this many length, and the rings, and the, all these details. And you remember, we talked about this, how Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to see this. It actually tells us that the tabernacle was actually a copy of heaven. Remember we pointed that out. In some way, it was a picture of heaven. The tabernacle wasn't just some tent that was thrown up in the wilderness with just some random furnishings put into it. It was very specific. God specifically had very specific things to put into it and how big it needed to be because in many ways, the tabernacle was like a little picture of heaven here on earth. That's what it was. It was a model of heaven in many ways. Did any of you ever make models as a kid? Anybody ever make models? I don't know if they're really around anymore. I don't know if you can still get models. I don't know. But I remember, I, I'm the youngest of four boys, and my older brothers would make models. I remember some of them had some incredible airplanes and different things that they put together. And I remember as a kid going to the, the hobby store, um, BC Shaver or whatever it was called, something like that in Victoria. And, uh, and, and you would go there. I think they, they, they sold shavers and hobby things, like model airplanes and stuff. Don't ask me how that fits, but I think that's what they did. Um, I don't know. Anyway, I guess it was for big boys and little boys. But uh, anyway, I remember going to the store and picking out a model. They had a model of a tank. And you get, you know, five or ten bucks, you get this model, and then you'd buy the glue, right? And then you'd break all the plastic pieces out from the little, remember doing this from the grid kind of stuff? And you'd break it out, and then you'd glue it all together. And it was lots of fun. And, um, and in many ways, in many ways, that's kind of like what Moses did with the tabernacle, and essentially, he had some instructions because in that model box, there was instructions. Do this first, then this, and this. Put it this here and do this that way. In the same way, the tabernacle was kind of like that. God gave him all these detailed instructions. He provided the model. If you remember, uh, I'm actually reading again the book of Exodus in my morning times. And, uh, and it's interesting. Just, I, I've, been, I've been amazed at how much, every, not how much, but everything was provided by the people. Everything was provided by the people, all of it for the whole structure. And so it's, God's kind of like, here's the instructions. 
here's the model materials, the supplies that all came by the people, and he even gave the glue for it to go together. Remember uh, Bezalel and Oholiab, these two men that were to oversee the whole construction, the glue that would put it all together. And in many ways, it was a model. And, and Moses was very faithful with that model, to put it all together. Exodus 40 had this repeated word, as the Lord commanded Moses, so he did. Kept saying that over and over again. He put the model together just as God said. Followed to a T. It was a great model of heaven. You know, the, the model that, uh, I only had a couple models, but, um, and I think I only made one. I think the others just kind of went, made about halfway and I lost interest. But this one model that I made was of a tank. And I'm pretty sure like the top, like the turret would even turn on it. And uh, I mean, it was the coolest thing. Now, this was in like, I think, grade five. I'm like 10 years old. And, if, and I remember building that tank. But you know, I, that was really cool to have. And I'd play with it. And, but what I wouldn't give to have the actual tank. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, wouldn't it be amazing to have that tank? I, as, a, as a grade five student with that tank, I could do amazing stuff. I mean, school would be out <laughs> for way more than summer. If you know what I'm talking about. But you think about it, the, the model tank and the actual tank, two different things, correct? And, and me, this grade five boy building this tank, pretty cool, good accomplishment, pretty neat thing. But think about this, the person that actually designed the tank and actually had that thing built and got it to work, who's better? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like me or the, the guy that designed the real thing? And in the same way, you know, Moses built this tabernacle, which was a model of a heavenly scene. And it was good because God called him to do it. But think about the one that actually made the heavens that the tabernacle is modeled after. Who was that? Jesus. Jesus did that. I mean, that person is infinitely superior, is he not? Absolutely. And so this is what the author of Hebrews is getting at. Listen, God bless Moses. God bless Moses, but he does not compare to Jesus. And then he has, you'll probably notice in your Bible, this little side note, it's in brackets in verse four, and it says this, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now this is, this is a truth I think all of us would agree with. You, you, you look outside the windows right now, you can see houses on either side of this church building. We look at that and we don't go, it's amazing that that just popped out of nowhere. That just grew out of the ground. Enough water and eventually that, like, no, what would we look at any house, any neighborhood you drive through and we think, Somebody built that, correct? Yes. That is, thank you, Mike. I'm glad that you're aware of that. The rest of you, I'm just gonna tell you now. Any house you see, somebody had to make it. It didn't come from nothing, okay? There's just a little tip, a little heads up, right? It's, it's, we th it's obvious. And yet, what does the author of Hebrews say here? He brings out this point, but the builder of all things is God. You know what he's getting at? He's saying, we know that somebody builds a house when we look at a house. And then we look at the house, that these little houses are housed in. Do you know what I'm talking about? The universe, creation, all these things. And he goes, come on, guys. Don't you see it? If you think someone built a house, surely somebody built what we see around us. That's what he's getting at. Didn't just evolve from nothing. Didn't just come out of nowhere. And it's kind of this little side thing he puts in there. And he's also, um, commentators also point this out, that he's really driving home the point that Jesus is God. We saw that in chapter one, and we see it again here. It's so clear because he said Jesus built the house and then he says here, but the builder of all things is God. Oh, so Jesus is God. That's the point he's getting at. So Jesus is a better builder. And then fifth, we see Jesus is better as the son than Moses as the servant. Look at verse five. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a 
servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a what? As a son. Moses as a servant, Christ as a son. Now, there's a big difference between a servant and a son, okay? It was very common in those days to have a live-in servant. I don't know if any of us have a live-in servant right now that are here present, and I'm not talking about your spouse, in case you're wondering, okay? That's not, no, we're talking about a paid, Dave, be very careful there. Um, we're talking about a paid live-in servant, someone that, would, that was paid to live with you to take care of the household duties. And, uh, and here's the deal. You would never want to get the servant and the son mixed up, would you? Right? If you got the servant and the son mixed up, the, family, the son and the family would be quite offended. Uh, hang on. No, 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 no. They're not the son. They're the servant. I'm the son. Right? There'd be a, 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 and not to say that the servant didn't have respect that was due them and glory and praise, in fact, for the role that they fulfilled. But it was different than the respect and the glory and the praise that would be due to the son, was it not? So you never wanted to elevate and ascribe what should only be given or ascribed to the son, to the servant. That'd be really bad. And that is what the Hebrew Christians were being tempted, were being pulled away to do, to ascribe and give praise, in a sense, to Moses. They had many commentators point out the fact that they basically venerated Moses, made him godlike in many ways. Very, very high standard. But to give worship and attention to the servant, in this case Moses, that is only for the son, being Jesus, was wrong. Moses was a great servant, not saying he's not. But here's the point. He was still just a servant, right? He was not the son. And and the author's pointing this out. Who's greater? Jesus. Not that Moses is bad, but Jesus is better. Now the sixth comparison is Moses the testifier and Christ the testimony. Notice again what verse 5 said. It said, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. In other words, Moses faithfully testified of what was to come, what was to be spoken later. But let me ask you this. Consider this. Think about this. Who or what was to be spoken later? Jesus, right? You guys are good. Wow, how do you have all the answers? This is incredible. Jesus. Moses may have testified, but here's the thing. Jesus is the testimony, right? He's the fulfillment. He's the revelation. What's greater? Hebrews 1, uh, verses 1 to 3 told us this, that in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, such as Moses. Moses was a prophet. At many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Paul put it this way in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. He says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. You see, these things, these were all, these were all part of the testimony of Moses, like the author of Hebrews said. They were part of the law of Moses. For these rules, Paul goes on to say, are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Moses testified of what was to come, but Jesus is what was to come. Do you see that? He is the testimony, the reality of it all. And finally, we see this. Moses may have built a tabernacle, but Christ made us his house. Verse six goes on to say this, and we are his house. 
We are his house. You know, Moses built this incredible tent in the wilderness, right? He did. It was incredible. It was amazing, the work and the detail that they put into it. That, of course, that tent was eventually turned into a temple, all patterned after what Moses had been instructed by God. But the reality is this. He maybe built a physical tent in the wilderness, but Jesus has made a way for you and for I to be living stones, the word tells us, in God's temple. We now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are. The same spirit, think about this, that filled that that holy of holies. There was the holy place, and then there was the holy of holies, only one time a year that the high priest could go into. That same spirit that dwelled in the holy of holies now dwells in us. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. The Holy Spirit now lives inside every follower of Christ, you and I, so that every day we can meet with God. We can be in fellowship with him. We don't need to go to a temple. We don't need to go into some holy of holies place. The curtain, curtain was torn. We can now meet with God wherever, whenever. I mean, Moses in his wildest dreams never ever thought of that, much less accomplished it or carried it out. But you know what? Jesus did, didn't he? Jesus did. And so the author of Hebrews is telling these Hebrews, these, these Jewish Christians, he's telling them these things to say basically to, to get at this point. Don't drop the greater for the lesser. Don't cave to the pressure that is going on all around you. That's what he's getting at here. You see, Hebrew culture all around them, it was pressuring them to give up on Jesus or at least be less all in with Jesus, right? The least, the least they could do was kind of, okay, you can do the Jesus thing, but keep the Moses thing as well. That's what they were trying to get at, the, the temple, the sacrifices. And you know what? I can't help but think how our culture isn't all that different. The culture all around us, the enemy, just life in general, all of it is pressuring us to soften up on the Jesus stuff, is it not? Don't be so into it. Don't be so serious. Don't take it all so serious. You're extreme with that. And culture and our life, it's all trying to get lesser things to replace or at least maybe add to Jesus. You know, we might not have the sacrificial system today, but we most definitely have a system that we sacrifice to, don't we? So it's, it's, not, it's not that we fully abandon Jesus, but it turns into this kind of Jesus and. Jesus and whatever it might be. Maybe it's Jesus and sports. Maybe it's Jesus and family. Or Jesus and work, or, or Jesus and, and sex, or Jesus and stuff, possessions. Jesus, Jesus and whatever it might be for you, you fill in the blank with whatever that lesser thing is that's trying to, to take over the place of Jesus. Jesus and political correctness is just pushing like nothing else right now. What is it? What is the lesser right now in your life that is trying to push out the greater Jesus? See, this was the temptation for the first century Christians And you guys, it's still the temptation for 21st century Christians. Nothing's changed. There are still all kinds of pressures trying to push Jesus out of the forefront. And when life and culture and family and friends, good things even, all press in, we have to consider Jesus, like the author of Hebrews tells us to do. We need to think upon, meditate upon, focus on Jesus, get the right perspective, renew our mind, remind ourselves what is best because there's lots of good things. Moses was good. He wasn't bad. He was good. But Jesus is better. Don't settle for less than the best. 
So the author of Hebrews calls us to consider Jesus, to focus on Jesus, to fix our eyes and our mind upon, to give careful and serious prolonged thought to Jesus. The author of Hebrews says focus on, but then he also says hold on. Focus on, but also hold on. Verse six concludes, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Hold fast, hold on, he says. He says, don't move from Jesus to anything or anyone else. Your confidence and your hope is to be in Christ's finished work alone. It's not Christ's finished work and these other things, but Jesus and Jesus alone. He is more than enough for you. And the Hebrews needed to be reminded of that. And you know what? We need to be reminded of that as well. Is your boasting and your hope in Christ or some lesser thing? This morning, as we conclude with communion, I just, I just want to challenge you with this thought. What are the lesser things that are competing right now for Christ's place in your life? And some of you might be thinking, well, it's not bad. And it's not, I agree. Maybe it's a spouse. That's not, that's not a bad thing, but it's lesser than Christ. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's an addiction. What is the lesser thing that is competing right now for Christ's place and position in your life? And I want to encourage you to bring that thing to Christ today. Lay it down again at the cross. Maybe it's questions that are the lesser thing. Maybe it's confusion that's the lesser thing. I want to encourage you to give that to him. Because this is the reminder of Hebrews. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. We're going to see this hold fast a number of times through the book of Hebrews. Hold fast. Why? Because Jesus is holding on to you. So hold on to him. Don't let go. Consider Jesus. Focus on him and hold on. As we move into our time of communion, Connor, I don't, would you just be maybe to come up and just play some guitar for us here? If you're here this morning, maybe even joining us online, and you don't have the hope in Christ that the book of Hebrews speaks about, holding fast to your confidence and to your hope in Jesus, I want you to know today that you can. You can today have a hope in Christ. That's what this cracker and this juice is all about what it represents the hope that you can have in jesus that in yourself you can't do it you're not good enough in yourself you never will be but in christ he has made a way he's made a way for you to stand in relationship with god the father that's what this is all about he paid the price for your sin, for your idolatry, for your golden calf, for your mistakes. So that you could be right before God. And I, and I want to ask you, if you are here this morning, you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity in a moment. And I want you to take communion with us as a representation of a symbol of that faith and that commitment to Jesus today that you're taking that step. Before we pray, though, I also want to to maybe ask you this morning, maybe you're here and you do have a faith in Christ, but there's been lesser things that have been consuming your life, lesser things that have been taking over. And, and today, I just want to encourage you, he has given you his spirit to live for him, to walk in God's ways. And maybe today you need a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit in your life. That's what he offers through his body and his blood the empowering of his Holy Spirit to live in you, to dwell in you so that you can live for God.
Why don't we pray together as we prepare our hearts this morning? Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that you have made a way for us to walk in relationship with you, to walk through this life in victory and in freedom. We thank you for people like Moses that that led the Israelites out of their bondage and their slavery. But Lord, we more thank you for Jesus who has led us out of our bondage and slavery to sin, to bring new life, to bring hope, that our perfection is not in how we act, but it's in how you acted. You did it, you finished it, and I thank you that our perfection is based now in you. And Lord, Lord, I just wanna pray if there's anybody here this morning joining us online or in-house that has not put their faith in you, God, I pray that this would be the moment where they turn from their own ways, their sin, their, their own paths, their own efforts, and they put their hope and their faith in you and you alone. So just as we're preparing our hearts, I just want to ask if there's anybody here this morning that would say that, Peter, can you pray for me as we transition? I don't have a faith in Christ. I want to have that hope in Jesus. Is there anybody here this morning that would say that? Peter, pray for me as you close. I want to put my hope in Christ. If you're joining us online and and you would also say the same thing, Peter, I, I want you to pray for me. Can you send us an email? Let me know. I would love to get in touch with you about some of the next steps of walking with Jesus. But Lord, this morning, I just pray that you would show each and every one of us in this room those lesser things that are trying to take over from you. When Jesus, you are greater because you gave your life in our place. Lord, we thank you for that truth and that reality. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Fill us, God. Empower us, God, to live the life that you've called us to live. Yes, you are our perfection. Yes, you are our holiness, but you also call us to live a life like that too. And we can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. So now as we come to your table, we are reminded again of the work that you did in our place, going to the cross and rising from the dead. God, we just thank you now for that great work that you did, incomparable work that you did for us. And Lord, I do pray for whatever is in our lives right now that is lesser, which is everything. (laughs) Lord, if there's anything that's setting itself up in your place, in your position, that should be a servant, but we're making it more like a son. Lord, I ask that you'd reveal that even right now in these moments. That you would show us, you give us the power, God, to walk in a way that honors you as the greater over the lesser. Lord, I just pray blessing over every person that's here today. I pray filling again of your Holy Spirit to empower us to live for you. Help us, God. Help us, Jesus, I pray. We thank you, Lord, for what you did. We bless your name. Blessings on you. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Duncan Pentecostal Church, located here in Duncan, British Columbia, on beautiful Vancouver Island. At DPC, we believe in teaching the whole Bible to build whole believers who can impact the whole world. 
For more information about us, find us online at www.duncanchurch.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Duncan Pentecostal Church. Have a great day.